Coming up on Let's Talk Life with London. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Let's Talk Life with London. This episode is really, really exciting. I'm so excited for you guys to tune in. You know her as Mrs. Universe, but that's just one of her many titles. Juanita Ingram is an award-winning attorney, a decorated filmmaker, an HBCU alumni, philanthropist, and entrepreneur. She also stars in and executive produces the two-time Telly Award-winning Amazon Prime docuseries, The Expats, showcasing her family's journey to London and then Singapore. Service is the fabric of Juanita's success, and she continues to break barriers and cultivate ways to be the voice of people in all walks of life. So I am so excited to have her here with us today. Hi, Miss Juanita. Hello. <laughs> Thank you How so much. You? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm really good. We were just chatting a little bit offline and it's six in the morning where you are. Thank you so much for joining me so early. I know, I know it's like a rough, a rough time to be up, but I am so, so happy to have you here. Uh, It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm actually a morning person, so it's not painful for me to be here. And yeah, I'm, I'm actually very good early morning. So it's good. Okay, I'm the same way. I'm able to like get up and get shuffling pretty early. <laughs> yes, same, same. <laughs> awesome. And do you mind telling us what part of the world you're in right now? <laughs> yes. So I live in Singapore right now, but actually wow. technically I'm in Taiwan right now. Okay. Um, yeah, so I and I used to live in Taiwan, so I came back um to visit. And so okay. it's it, but it's still Singapore time, so yep. It's it's good. <laughs> I'm excited to hear more about that. I have I have a lot to ask you about that that journey that took you over there, but I want to talk about everything you're managing and juggling in your life right now. You have so many titles in real life outside of your Mrs. Universe title which is so I'm sure comes with so much responsibility. How do you manage everything so well? You know, I, I tell people all the time, it is not about work-life balance. Mm. There's no such thing. I hate the term. For me, it's all about prioritization. Mm. And it's you have to prioritize before the opportunity comes. Mm-hmm. So when I thought through um, even competing, I thought about, well, what would a successful year look like? Mm. You know, I am a mother of two. I am married. Because people, people make grand assumptions like, well, surely she doesn't have a man. You know, she can't <laughs> do all this and be married. She can't do all this. But I have two children who are teenagers now. And wow. it's all about prioritizing. And, you know, because work-life balance, that means everything is equal. Nothing's ever going to be equal to my family. So right. going into it, I know my priorities and what they are. It makes it so mentally that it's easier for you to say no. It's mm. easier for you to say yes to the things that, and prioritize them. But when you say no, you don't feel like you're missing out on anything. Right. Because right. your priorities set the tone. Uh, I am really good at time management. I, I think going through law school and, and having a graduate degree, all of those things taught me time management. Mm-hmm. So it's really important. I live by my calendar. I wake mm-hmm. up every day. If it weren't for that, I wouldn't know where I'm supposed to be. <laughs> Right. Um, so, but I, and I have a really good team around me. So it takes a team at this level 
And mm-hmm. and as women, sometimes for us to raise our hand and say, I need help. Right. Someone help me and to concede that you do need people around you that can be that support. Yeah, no, you're, you're completely right. And I guess just so we have an idea of even just starting with those priorities, like you mentioned, for you, given everything that you do, what are some of those top priorities that then everything else trickles out under? Obviously, my family is always first. Um, mm-hmm. My role as a wife, as a mother, and, and even more so as a mom right now, mm-hmm. because my kids are teenagers. My daughter just turned 15. My son is 13. I literally okay. have two teenagers. And <laughs> their life is my priority right now because they live in such a different world uh, in this time than than what I came up in. And I think that they need a lot of presence and support. Mm-hmm. Second to that, you know, dress for success is a huge priority for me. It even shapes how my year is as Mrs. Universal. There are times when I have opportunities to do other things Mm -hmm. and I have to say no. I've said no to things before that dress for success came first. Mm -hmm. So albeit, you know, it may have been a red carpet event or it may have been something fun, but the opportunity for dress for success takes precedence over that. Um, Even more so, even with the show. I mean, the streaming proceeds from the show, go to dress for success. So it sort of curtails and sets things up in a way that allows everything to funnel and channel um, that supports what is really the driving ethos of my life, mm-hmm. which is empowering women. So it, it it all aligns because I usually select things that align with that sort of life mission, and um, it makes it easy to say yes and no. And that's working for you. (laughs) It's working for you. A lot of people, I think, are almost scared to take those steps of saying no. Mm -hmm. Um, But no can be easy, right? No can be as simple as that. And it's nice, right? No can be nice, you know? It's so (laughs) powerful. And I think it's a misnomer sometimes in life that, you know, we assume or we feel like I'm missing out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, if someone asked me what I would say to my like 18 year old self mm-hmm. and I would be adamant that this idea and concept that you are going to miss out on something is a lie. 10 years ago, almost 11 years now, because I'm almost at the end of my reign. Now I only have like three months left. The year went by so fast. It did. But 10 years ago, I went to the, Mrs. Universe and I didn't win. Um, I, I won the online vote. It was like 1.4 million people. I still have the video. Like wow. 1.4 million people voted and I won like people's choice out of a million something vote. And then, but then they didn't even call me to the top 15. And in that moment, I thought to myself, oh my gosh, my pageant career is over. I've mm-hmm. lost out. But then 10 years later, and at that, and I, I go into that in this new documentary that I'm working on as to why that all played out the way that it did because people don't know sometimes too that pageantry is a business and you have different owners mm-hmm. had i won 10 years ago under a different system under a different owner it would have been horrible mm-hmm. but wait 10 years later you would think that oh my gosh that's a long time to wait mm-hmm. my year is absolutely perfect my directors yeah. are the most amazing people i've had the most amazing year and i would not have had this year Mm-hmm. Had I won 10 years ago. So even in the delays, mm. even what seems like in the denials, I've lived long enough to through too many things. I've had the most beautiful experience this year. And that would not have happened 10 years ago. Under, so even, even when things like that happen, 
I just know that I'm always in the right place, always at the right time, even even in a denial, it's still right. Absolutely. I I believe the same thing. And I think too, even if the environment isn't right. It could even be that at that time, your mindset isn't where it needs to be. Like for instance, I'm sure you you seem to have such a strong mentality and strong mindset, but there mm-hmm. are, are some times when we can't see the brighter side of things or we want something so bad that it's so hard to say, well, maybe it's not the right time. And a lot of times I think we use maybe, oh, it's not the right time or, oh, it's just not not the right season. And we don't take accountability and say, you know what, maybe I'm not the right person just yet to hold what I really want. And it's not that I can't have it. It's not that God doesn't want me to have it. It's just, I need to be the person to actually like, be present in this also, you know, like be present, want this for the right things and also have everything else aligning as well. It can't just be, I want this and it ends there. And so it sounds like even in those 10 years, you were able to not only keep your faith and your hope that, you know, this can happen, even if it's 10 years, which is a long time, I'm sure just to endure that time is such a long time period but for you to sit here and say despite the 10 years you're you had such an incredible experience it's it makes it all worth it sometimes like people might be ashamed of you know the journey of not just being like hey i popped up one day and it happened you know so i appreciate you being transparent about that take me back a little bit um to the beginning how did you end up here? Yes. Uh, well, and here is so layered for me. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Give me all the layers. I love right. it. <laughs> me, me as a lawyer ending up here, um, you know, I, I always wanted to help people. Mm-hmm. I, I knew when I was in the eighth grade that I wanted to help people. And I was in high school. I was in a mock trial team and um, figured out that I had a skill for becoming a lawyer. And lawyers, despite our bad rap, sometimes we really just problem solve. That's Mm -hmm. why sometimes lawyers make the best producers. There's Mm -hmm. a whole society of us. uh, Black Entertainment Sports Law Association had to remember the mnemonic. But we're really a bunch of lawyers turned producers, turned filmmakers because there's that creative side. I always I started out in theater um, when I was nine. So my mother is a musician. I blame my parents for this right brain, left brain conflict. My dad is a CFO, retired um, at a university. My mother is a musician. She plays every instrument. It's totally their fault. This whole balancing thing that I, but my mom started me out in theater when I was nine. And I remember standing on stage um, after a performance at the Tivoli Theater. And I'm from Chattanooga and Tennessee. And I remember standing there. I was just talking to a director in London about this experience too, because I just got cast for something there. And I was, and he was like, you know, um, you do so much. I'm not sure that if this is something you would really want to do. And I'm like, actually it was my first love. Wow. I didn't know how to balance it. So Mm -hmm. I just shut it down and started adulting and, you know, went and got a good job and went to law school because I, I like helping people, but I think through film and art, 
that's what we do it for the for the world and the society. Mm-hmm. Art has always been a catalyst of the ability to deal with issues and subject matters that the world is not ready to deal with. Mm-hmm. And as an advocate, as a lawyer, I always wanted to be the person representing people that didn't have a voice or that needed my assistance or my help. So I did all of that for quite some time. Um, I got married, started having kids. Uh, but when we actually, the first time I left the America was my honeymoon. Um, and I told my husband, I'm like, you know, I've, I've been praying and I really feel like God is going to give us this international life. I think our honeymoon should be out of the country. And everybody at the time was like, oh, go to Florida, go to Punta Cana. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think we need to leave the U.S. territory. So we went, we did that. And then my husband's job uh, promotion is what drew us to London. Okay. And I quit my job at the time and stopped practicing law in the traditional way. And that's what really allowed me to segue more into the arts. And that was just, everything is about seasons and being in the right season. And it gave me, I gave myself permission Mm -hmm. to explore the other sides of me because I had to, um, it's either that or have an identity crisis. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes I've been Juanita the attorney for so Mm -hmm. long, but who else? I'm not what I do, so Mm -hmm. who are you? So I had that journey. Um, And then after that, the rest is kind of history. I started out in pageantry. As a lawyer, I had the opportunity to go and speak to like youth groups. Okay. And one day, and I enjoyed telling young girls like, oh, make good decisions and, you know, focus on your career and your character. I went back to my office. I was practicing law at the time. I went Mm -hmm. back to my office and you got to be careful what you pray for. And I was like, God, use me. (laughs) last words yeah what how can i do more of this and i didn't know anything about mrs pageants uh think miss and teen is very popular but there's a mrs title for every pageant system and i had no idea and i heard pageantry whispered and i'm like i'm not doing that i am not getting up letting somebody judge me and i already know i clean up well i know i'm cute i don't need anybody to do all that (laughs) i'm like that's no i'm not doing that a, a humbling factor to it. Like if the words coming out of my mouth mean more because I have on a crown and mm-hmm. a rhinestone encrusted sash for the sake of empowering young girls to know that intelligence is beautiful, that mm-hmm. their character is beautiful, that internally what wins the crown is intelligence and wisdom. And all of that is what matters. And also I'll be totally transparent for the sake of of my blackness, mm-hmm. setting a standard of aesthetics, and Absolutely. if that if I can do that for other young girls that don't, because we still don't see ourselves, right? Um, if if then then I say yes, and I was like, okay, fine, and I won my first Mrs. Pageant in two thousand seven, and I just kept going. So that's the long winded answer of all the layers of me and how I got to this point um, was just making the decision to to sort of rise above the mediocrity of life mm-hmm. and to believe that I can do, I can feed all of the different avenues and aspects and lanes in mm-hmm. my life in the right season. So Absolutely. That's so inspiring. And I'm, again, so glad that you shared how you got to this point. I want to ask you too, you touched on, how you pulled from a space and you allowed yourself to explore other 
creative areas, creative industries. Where did you pull from inside of you or in your mental that allowed you to say, I can be multifaceted. I can do anything I put my mind to um, and not just be one dimensional or, mm-hmm. you know, in one lane and only stay there. How, where did you pull from to, I guess, talk yourself into that? I invested in a life coach okay. because in the beginning, I, I tell people that all the time, it's so important for us to do that because mm-hmm. sometimes it's hard to navigate that by yourself. It's hard to navigate change. Right. It's hard to navigate different, the change in seasons in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of narratives coming at me from various groups and various people. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone from legal colleagues who thought I was crazy to quit that good job that I had, mm-hmm. even just to follow my husband and say yes. Um, yeah. And knowing that in the bigger picture for my family, that it was better for us. And that also that there was something that I already knew was there for me. Cause I'm the one that I had the feeling that that was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, my life coach helped me to see the theme of my life. Wow. And that the theme of my life was bigger than any one act that I ever did. Um, I had people that accused me of being flighty, Oh, since when did you start doing pageants? When I started writing books. Oh, so now you're an author. It seemed like to them that I was like all over the place. Mm -hmm. But when I met with the life coach and she helped me to really get the mission statement of my life Mm -hmm. in that moment for Mm -hmm. who I am, for what I am and being bigger and beyond. Because, you know, some of us are born with five lanes and we only drive in one. Because mm-hmm. we're too afraid to cross over to the lane because other people have two lanes or three lanes and they they project. Mm-hmm. They project their limitations. Some of them have five lanes and they choose not to drive in them. So mm-hmm. they will project to you the restrictions that they put on themselves, the regret that they felt about themselves. And that is a very hard narrative, especially if you're like a type personality, high achieving the way I was always to to clarify I am not what I do because I'd always just been Juanita the attorney, but who am I really? And the theme and the ethos that was running through the thread of everything that I had ever chosen was empowering women. You are a really great example of showing that you can have one purpose, but there's so many different avenues that that can manifest and so many different avenues that you can use your purpose in, and it can all be still very connected. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm really excited also for you to tell us more about your production company. I've seen you doing so many amazing things. You're getting nominations. You guys are doing series. Tell me more about what you have going on. Yes, I'm Purpose Production is it's actually a nonprofit production company. It's a 501c3. Okay. And our mission and ethos that what we strive on is telling those uh marginalized stories, the stories that otherwise you wouldn't be able to hear or see, and really empowering women along the way, both above the line and below. So both as actors and also as producers, writers, videographers, we're very intentional about giving women opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, telling the stories that you wouldn't otherwise hear. Uh, my, my 
project that I have right now, the expats, international Ingrams, my family was the catalyst, but I'm so proud because we have like the first season, I think there were like eight other black expats uh, okay. that we followed their journey as well. This season we have 12 okay. and you know, it's all about the journey of being black and abroad. How did they get there? What does that really look like? As a storyteller, you always want to look for the story that hasn't been told. There's mm -hmm. never been a docu-series. I, I, I hesitate to call it a reality show, but it is sort of reality <laughs> docu-series. But I hesitate to, because reality as we know it right now is not what we do, yeah. um, especially for Black-led casts and being intentional about mm -hmm. changing how Black-led casts, unscripted shows are handled. Um, and there's nothing wrong with what's out there. I'm a study of the genre. I watch all reality TV. I don't watch it the same anymore. Like I'm looking at transition. I was telling somebody, another uh, person in unscripted television reality. I was like, do you, you don't watch it the same. Do you? She was like, no, I'm looking at color grading. Man, did you see that graphic? That was nice. So mm -hmm. I look at it for different reasons, but I look at all of it mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with what's out there. There's a show for everybody. The mm -hmm. problem with black led cast in reality TV mm -hmm. is that we get depicted in such a one dimensional way. Black people are not monolithic, even in how we handle conflict. I mean, mm -hmm. we don't shy away from conflict on my show because it's unrealistic to think that you're going to like everybody that you meet immediately and that you'll never have an issue. Mm -hmm. But black people don't all handle conflict the same way. Mm -hmm. I think in our genre of television, though, in unscripted television, we are depicted in a particular way that's repetitive. Over and over and over again, we see this, us handling conflict in the same way. When I was in London, I had the idea for the show. Uh, there was a show that came out about black sororities. This was years ago. It was a reality show. Mm -hmm. um, it only lasted like one season. I think it was, I, I'm a member of, of I'm a Delta. And okay. I think it was one time that the Deltas and the AKs aligned and agreed totally <laughs> on the mm -hmm. idea, like, this is not good. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was in a nail salon and I put my keychain down mm -hmm. on the table with my keys and this black British woman was like, oh, you're in that organization. Why are you acting this way? This is such an embarrassment. You're supposed to be college educated women. Why are you doing this? And I'm like, whoa, first of all, not on the show. It has nothing to do with me, but it, yeah. I saw the power of those shows and how they are shaping how we are either handled and sometimes mishandled in mm -hmm. global spaces. The mm -hmm. danger of us being portrayed in a monolithic way in that particular genre is that it creates such a negative stereotype that has no balance. Mm -hmm. It's not bad. Um, do we flip tables sometimes? I mean, I got cousins, you know, hey, <laughs> things happen. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's not like it doesn't happen. There's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with anything that's out there. The problem is balance. And mm -hmm. with other ethnic groups, You've got Honey Boo Boo, you've got Doug Dynasty, you've got Chrisley Knows Best, you've got an array of different aspects of different ways that they are depicted. Chris, even though Todd Chrisley has had his issues, it was still my favorite show. I wanted to hang out with the grandmother. I think that they're hilarious. There's a show about a white guy doing nothing. He's not doing anything. And I absolutely loved it. Why can't we be normalized and our normality of doing life be normalized for us and depicted? So I took that on it's part of the part of the show is just reshaping how we see black led cast depicted mm -hmm. how we see conflict depicted in a very honest um and authentic way that gives a little bit of diversity and mm -hmm. again nothing wrong with what's out there but um we deserve diversity as well mhm mm 
And what do you think the future of what you're mentioning looks like to change the trajectory of this dynamic of depicting these stereotypes or not showing us in a light where people are seeing the layers and the dimensions. What do you think a solution looks like in 3D? I think it looks like our show. I think Mm -hmm. it looks like people being bold enough to and and creative enough because also um, to a certain extent, it's kind of lazy producing to continue to do the same thing over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. It doesn't take any creativity. It doesn't take any, okay, we understand you know, and and I was in the space where, as an entertainment lawyer, I had clients in this reality space, mm. and these pre-production meetings where they're like, "Okay, who's going to fight with who?" Mm. Well, how can you predict that? And these people haven't even met. I mean, it's manufactured okay. most of it. It's not honest. It's not real. So I think if we hold people accountable to say, you know what, kind of tired of seeing the same old thing. We really want diversity. We really want to support these type of shows. One, this type of show needs support if you want to see more of it and of us Mm -hmm. uh, in these different scenarios, Black children living abroad, Black families, you know, positive content. Um, And and not that the other content isn't positive, but just in the variety. I think it looks like our show. Well, tell us where we can watch The X Facts. Yes, we are on uh, Amazon Prime, uh, U.S. and U.K., we are also on Tubi. And then eventually, if you are in another part of the world, eventually we will be, I have my own streaming platform, Purpose Streaming. And okay. eventually after our, after so right now we're on the ballot, uh, nomination ballot for the Emmys. After okay. that experience, after that's all done, I will put it on our own streaming platform so that people all over the world can see it. Because right now, if you're in the US or UK, you can go to Amazon Prime and see it. Um, and but Tubi is not even in Asia, it's not in the UK, so it's it's limited geographically. But okay. if you're in the US or UK, go to Amazon Prime and it's and it's there. Awesome. Well, Miss Juanita, thank you so much for this chat. Congratulations on everything that is happening out of you walking in your purpose and being fearless and so dynamic. And I am so inspired by you, your work and everything that you're doing. And I really appreciate you joining me on my platform. Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate you creating this platform so that people like myself can come and share. So thank you for all that you're doing in this space. I really appreciate it. So thank you. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. And come back anytime. Thank you so much, everyone, for watching this episode of Let's Talk Life. Make sure you stream the Xbacks and also support, follow, like, subscribe to Juanita Ingram's social media channels. I will link them all in the description below. Until next time.